This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Auth0, authentication made simple for developers. Modern authentication and identity can be hard, but Auth0 makes it easy. With Auth0, you can enable login with any social provider, have multi-factor authentication, single sign-on, and passwordless login all at the flip of a switch. Find out how to add authentication to your Angular 1 or 2 app in under 10 minutes at auth0.com forward slash Angular. Hello and welcome to Angular Air. On this week's episode, we have panelists Olivier Combe. Hello. And Dimitri. Hi, guys. My name is Jeff Upley. I'll be your host today. On today's show, we have a very special episode talking about something that apparently a lot of people are interested in. There's been a lot of uh, buzz. I don't know if you guys have noticed on uh, Twitter this morning, sent, uh, retweeting and sending around, uh, talking about web workers. So for that, we have the man who is very knowledgeable on the subject within the Angular team, Jason Teplitz. Hey, everyone. Jason, you want to give an introduction to yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. I am uh, I'm a junior studying computer science at Stanford. I, uh, I interned on the Angular team last winter. My main project was uh, building web worker support directly into the framework, uh, and I gave a talk at Angular Connect to that end. Uh, since then, I've worked as a part-time contractor on the team to sort of wrap up loose ends and make that work better and sort of smooth over some, some issues with it. Uh, I was doing that until last week, uh, and now I've, I've kind of left the team to work on my own stuff. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and I have to say, your Angular Connect talk was really awesome. Well, I'll include that in the show notes at the end. But that you were talking to, like, a packed house there. I, I don't think they could have fit any more people in that room. Uh, it was kind of crazy. So they, that, that, was, that was pretty... What was that experience like, actually, before we even get ta- start talking about web workers? I'd be interested, you know, you're a junior in college and talking, you know, in front of this vibrant community... Uh, was that like a pretty crazy for you, or did you take it in stride? No, it was pretty mind blowing. I mean, I never, I had never spoken at a conference before, and I wasn't even sure I was going to speak at this conference until pretty late in the summer. Um, I had gone up to Brad Green, the manager of the team, and I knew that the team was going to London for a conference, and I just really wanted to go to London. Um, and I was, I was talking to Brad. I was like, "Can I speak at this conference?" He was like, "Yeah, sure. We'll find a spot, like maybe a couple minutes at the end of the keynote or something." And then, like pretty close to the conference, he was like, "Hey, what if you had like a whole thirty-minute talk?" And also, Yegor, um, Yegor Havanov, who came up with the web worker idea and was my mentor on the project, couldn't make it. So it was just me for the 30-minute talk. Um, and I was like, sure, that's exciting. Um, and so it was kind of crazy to go up there, and like the room was packed. There were like hundreds of people. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Like, really enjoyed it. The Angular community is great. So many people came up to me and talked to me afterwards, and everyone was really nice. Yeah, I mean, you did a really great job. So uh, kudos to you. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Why don't you give us a, a kind of 50-foot level overview of what web workers are. Yeah, so at a very high level, web workers, uh, they're, they're pretty similar to the subprocess model, if you're familiar with um, sort of Unix programming. But basically what they allow you to do is they provide a separate, um, basically a separate process of execution. So you can run code in parallel in the web browser. Um, this allows you to take advantage of multi-core processors, um, which are particularly prevalent on smartphones and, of course, on laptops and desktops. So there's a lot of potential performance gains there. It also allows you to, you know, prevent blocking. So traditionally in the JavaScript world, everything is run on one thread. And this means that your code runs alongside the browser code and the DOM code that updates the page. So if your code takes too long, the browser can't regain control and it can't update the page. 
this leads to a lot of jank. It leads to a lot of um, it leads to a lot of jank, and it leads to sort of a lot of just like pages freezing and jittering and things like that. So web workers are this potential way around this by saying I'm going to run this in the background, and then I can continue to keep my page responsive. I can maintain a high frame rate. I can show a nice little spinner maybe while I'm parsing a, a large JSON request, and then uh, when it's done, I can transfer that data back. And they impose a lot of limitations um, to make them you know, sort of easier to work with, but also a little bit confusing sometimes. But at a high level, it's like that. It's basically a sub-process within your Angular application, within your web, web application. Sounds pretty awesome, but uh, it's always a question about support. And do there really exist any kind of uh, web worker polyfills pretty good enough to go in production in the wild? So the support level is, I believe, IE 10 and up. Uh, and in terms of mobile browsers, I think iOS has had it for quite a few versions. Um, let me see, actually. So iOS has had it since Safari Mobile 5.1. I'm not quite sure what year that was. Um, and Chrome for Android has had it since version 4. So really, it's only Android. Android 4.4 was the first native Android browser to include it. So older Android phones are a bit of a problem and older Internet Explorer. But it's a pretty large subset of what Angular 2 supports in general. In terms of uh, polyfills, I don't actually know of any good polyfills off the top of my head. I've sort of toyed around with this idea of creating a polyfill that involves using iframes, but I'm not sure if it's a good idea, so we haven't really looked into it. For an Angular app, though, you don't necessarily need a polyfill. Um, you can pretty easily check if web workers are supported when you uh, start your application, and then choose to bootstrap your application either with web workers or without web workers. It's almost a one-line difference. So, you won't get the performance benefits, obviously, on an older browser, but your app will still run and be totally functional. So what can actually be run in a web worker? You, you mentioned that there's some limitations, right? So if I'm creating an Angular app, let's say, or Angular 2 app, let's say, what parts of it would I run in a web worker? So we've kind of taken this model of we want to do as much in the web worker as possible. Uh, I think a lot of earlier approaches to web workers sort of centered around this idea of, I'll make my application. If parts of my application are slow, I'll move them to a worker. And that's, that's really tricky. It's hard to move code around between the worker and the UI, especially after it's been written. So we've taken this idea of, we want to do everything in the worker, at least to the highest extent possible. And we can pretty much do that. So we actually run the vast majority of the Angular code base in a worker. The, one, the main exceptions are the, the render itself obviously doesn't. So um, I'll, get, I'll get back to the specific restrictions on web workers in a minute and explain why we can't run the render in a web worker. But most of the code base runs in the worker. Um, if, you run, if you're not using the compiler as a build step, actually a large chunk of the compiler can run in the worker. Um, and your entire application logic can exist in a web worker. So all of your component code can exist in the worker. The exception is if that code needs to touch the DOM. So the main restriction with a web worker is there's no shared resources between the worker and the main execution thread, or even between two workers. Uh, and this is for a very good reason. If anybody's ever done multi-threaded programming in C, C++, or Java, um, I'm sure you've dealt with race conditions, and they're, they're not a lot of fun. And it actually turns out it's, it's a classically hard problem to eliminate race conditions. But one of the easiest ways to do it is just to say, okay, no two threads can share any data. If you do that, you really limit the amount of concurrency issues you can possibly run into. And this makes web workers really easy to work with um, in that regard, and that you don't really have to think about, well, what's ways these things can execute. There are still some concurrency issues in terms of you know, when data gets sent down and, uh, and things like that. But for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. But because you can't touch the DOM in a worker, we don't run the Angular renderer in the worker. And any of your app's code that needs to touch the DOM can't run in the worker as well. But anything else, as long as you 
as long as you always update the DOM through data bindings, you're not going to have a problem. And we have specific APIs for if you need to update the DOM in another way. Okay, so let's say that um, you use, um, you write your website, and you need um, a library for um, a carousel or something uh, that you didn't create and that obviously isn't made to work in a web worker. Um, there are ways to tell uh, run this on, in the browser and and make it work with your code. Yeah, I'm actually happy you asked that because everybody at Angular Connect asked that. It was like the number one question I got after my talk, and I didn't have any answers. <laughs> it was basically like, well, you can sort of hack around it yourself. We don't have any support for that. Uh, so since then, we've kind of thought about it, and we've come up with this proposal that um, is not done. So I just want to highlight that I'm going to share this, but it's still very much a work in progress. Uh, I've built a prototype for it that I'll show, but it's not... Um, the API might change. The prototype that I built is like totally involved, like a ton of monkey patching, and it's never going to go into production. But it shows where we're kind of where we want to go with this, what the API will look like. So let me just share my screen for a second. Um, all right, can everyone see the see the screen? Yep. Cool. Okay. So you can see this nice uh, unmerged pull request because it's not ready for production. But the basic idea is, so we wanted to um, include a. WYSIWYG text editor. This is a, the Answers app is a sample application that we're building. Um, actually, let me just show it to everyone first. So this is uh, the Angular mobile team, which is sort of a, a subset of the team, uh, is, working on, is working on this Answers app, which is meant to be sort of a showcase of all the experimental features inside of Angular, uh, one of which is obviously web workers. So uh, here it is. Can everyone see it? Cool. OK, so there's a couple of things. Um, this actually, this uses the newest Angular Fire library. Uh, the Fire, Firebase is actually a really good example of the Firebase JavaScript SDK does not support web workers. Um, most of the things that it does supports web workers, but if you want to authenticate with a pop-up or a redirect, like I said, you don't have access to those browser APIs. So in a web worker, you actually can't directly open a pop-up or cause or page redirect. Um, so what we did for Angular Fire is we actually built web worker support directly into Angular Fire. So if you use Angular Fire, you'll notice I, this application is running in a web worker. Um, you can always check by going to sources and seeing if there's a worker. Let's see the little worker icon. So this application is running in a web worker, and yet I can still log in. Uh, and this login is going to happen through redirect. It happened really quickly because I'm already off. But that login still works because Angular Fire has built-in support for web workers. Um, of course, we can't. Firebase is a Google product, so that was sort of easier for us to do. We can't build wrappers for every single library in existence. That's just <laughs> not feasible. So this is how we came up with this idea of render services. So you can see here there's a WYSIWYG text editor. Um, and this text editor, I forget which one it is, but it definitely is not written with web worker support. Um, and it would be a real pain to have to wrap the entire thing ourselves. So what we've come up with is this idea of you can have a render service. And a render service, so uh, a CK editor is the name of this, of this editor. And a render service is a piece of code that you say, this code touches the DOM. This code cannot run in a web worker. And you add the at render service tag to it. And I just want to state, again, this is in no way a finished API, but this is uh, a prototype that I built right before I left the team, and um, uh, a lot of people on the team wanted to make it into uh, an actual part of the framework, and I think it will, it will move that in that direction, but it's a little bit complicated. So the idea is you add the at render service tag, and you specify which methods you want to be public um, for this class, and then you give a little bit of information about those methods, like their names and their arguments and their return type. Um, this is one of the things that we'd like to clean up in the non-prototype version of this. We want to pull a lot of this data from the compiler. Uh, if you're using TypeScript, you already tell us the arguments. You already tell us the return type. 
So we'd like to have this be a, something that happens at compile time and have this array pre-populated for you. But at the moment, just to show a proof of concept, you tell us what your arguments are in your return type so that we can serialize them. And what Angular will do is if you're running a non-web worker application and you use the render service, then it's as if nothing's different, right? The render service basically means nothing. The application just runs as normal because you're not in a web worker. But if you bootstrap a web, web worker application and Angular notices that you try and inject a render service, what will actually happen is Angular will inject sort of a wrapped version of this service that doesn't actually execute any code on the on the UI, what it doesn't, or on the worker. What it does instead is it automatically, when I call, you know, dot init, it automatically um, sends a message to the UI. The UI is going to inject the render service, but in this case, it's going to have the actual code, and it's going to execute this code for me. So this is basically a way to say, hey, run this code on the UI. Do not run it on a worker. It's not worker compatible. Uh, and really, all you have to do is add this at render service tag and put it inside of your... Um, uh, included in your DI bindings for both the worker and the UI. But it's a pretty simple API, and we're looking to actually make it a core part of the framework. Nice. So is the idea that ultimately, like, after, like, I, I understand that the stuff you're working on and showing here is at the prototype phase, but sort of the goal, from what I can understand it, is that by default, out of the box, most people should be running their Angular apps in a web worker. Is that valid to say? Uh, so I would be happy to see that. I don't think that's the opinion of the entire team right now. Um, I think the opinion is we want to we want to make that option available. You should be able to run any type of application in a worker. Um, the performance trade-offs aren't necessarily worth it for every single type of application. So what we're doing, what, another thing that we're trying to do is publish um, uh, a more definitive set of benchmarks for what web worker applications look like. But just to give you an idea of the performance trade-offs here, uh, bootstrap time is longer. It's always going to be longer. We're doing work to minimize that, but just starting up a worker itself um, can take, I think it's like 100 milliseconds or something, but it can take a decent amount of time just to start up that worker. And that's just caused by the browser. There's nothing we can do about that. So if you have a very simple application, you may never make up those 100 milliseconds. However, if you have a complex application with lots of components, then it actually could be that in bootstrap itself, your bootstrap time is shorter because actually bootstrapping all of your components makes up for those 100 milliseconds. So this is the kind of trade-off where we want to say this is available. You can always use it in an application, but it's really on a per-application basis to decide, is my application actually complex enough? Do I actually have enough JavaScript running at a time to make this worth it? Okay, that's fair enough, but it sounds like if you do determine that it's something you want to use, other than identifying those services that are tied to the... Um, the window, the browser objects, uh, it should be just a configuration step, it sounds like, right? Absolutely. That's that's the goal. So one of the things that um, kind of bothered uh, Yegor when he was first talking to me about web workers is that this API is not new. It's been in browsers for a number of years at this point, uh, and almost no one uses it. There was this moment at the beginning of my Angular Connect talk, I asked everyone in the room to raise their hand if they had used web workers. We were in a room of like 500 very advanced, very professional web developers, and I think like 10 maybe raised their hand. So what we're trying to do is make web workers easy so that people use them, because there are all these wonderful characteristics about them, and it's kind of a shame that they haven't really caught on in the, in the web development world, and we think that's because it's too difficult, and it's too different from the current paradigm. So one of the things we think we can do in Angular is make that easier so that you can actually access those performance gains. 
And then, you know, the long-term vision with that is, well, if lots of applications are using web workers, then they'll start getting even better support in browsers. So you'll start having mobile applications that allow you to use a larger percentage of the core when you're running in a web worker. You'll start having better development tools for web workers. So we're really trying to push the whole web worker ecosystem forward. Can you do um, the opposite? When you were talking about uh, running some part of your code on the UI, is it possible to have um, an application that doesn't use web worker, but you have one service that you want to use in a worker because you know it's really heavy uh, for the memory? Is it possible to do that? So we don't provide direct support for that. Um, it's not. It's pretty easy to do that with vanilla JavaScript. That's sort of that's the general use case for web workers already. So it's pretty easy to say new worker, import a script, and just communicate with it. So we haven't really looked into baking that into the framework. If it turns out that a lot of people want that, then maybe we'll go back and revisit. But it's not very hard to do without Angular. Is it possible to have multiple web workers? Like you know, because you, it's my understanding, and, and I don't have a ton of experience with this, but you know, you're obviously using WebWorker to run your stuff in a separate process, but would you be able to have multiple separate processes, like in, in situations where you're actually doing something really heavy-duty, game processing, et cetera? Yeah, so it's definitely possible in the browser to do that. Um, I don't think there's any limit on the number of workers you can have, although at some point the browser will probably start, start like pausing some of them. But... Uh, we don't support that in Angular right now. It's sort of this, like, wonderful idea. And the question is, well, how do you actually pull it off? It's, it was pretty easy to determine, you know, if we have one worker, what should happen on the worker and what should happen on the renderer. If we have N workers, it's no longer a trivial problem to say, well, what should happen on each worker? So at that point, what we're looking at is, is there actually something that the framework can provide? Because it might be that if your application is that complex, that there's not a lot of generality to it. It might be that only you can decide what runs on each worker, in which case it may not make a lot of sense for Angular to provide support for it. Uh, the reality is we just don't know right now. Like, we'd like to see more examples, but it's kind of hard to determine you know, what would run on each worker and at what point is the overhead of messaging higher than the performance benefits of the multiple threads. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. But uh, it sounds like a lot of uh, downsides of using web workers uh, for developers. For example, it brings multi-threading and multi-thread debugging. It's kind of it's non-problem for guys who use C++, Java, or whatever. So, and there comes like new patterns, concurrent race condition, and all that stuff. So, does it really worth the effort? So, what is known downsides of using web workers, and especially in terms of Angular 2? Yeah. So, actually, I think that um, there's a big sort of, uh, there's a lot of hate uh, for concurrent programming because um, it is a difficult thing to do. And one of the things that I think was built into the web worker spec from the beginning and that we've tried to embrace with Angular support for it is this idea that we want to avoid most of those concurrency problems. So the idea of no shared resources really eliminates, you know, I don't want to come up with a number, but the vast majority of race conditions. Because most race conditions occur when two things try and touch the same data structure at the same time. Um, and you don't have that in the web worker world. In terms of debugging, um, we actually think that there's potential for better debugging tools because of web workers, because of the separation of concerns. You can run more of your code outside of the browser, um, and you can do things like, there's a, a demo that I did at Angular Connect that basically had multiple browser windows up at once and kept all the browsers in sync because it was actually all running on a web server. Um, 
using the WebWorker code base. And what that allows you to do is debug your application on iOS and Android, uh, on an iPad, on an iPhone, on a laptop, all at the same time. So I don't think there's a lot of debugging problems. I think most of the debugging issues that you run into with concurrent programming um, stem from, well, if I pause my application at this point, what is the other thread doing? Uh, and, oh, that's not going to be consistent. So because we've limited what you can do and because you know the renderer, it's pretty rare to debug a problem on the UI. If you have a problem on the UI, it's probably a bug in Angular, and you should submit a bug, uh, bug report. If you have a problem on the worker, then you're really just debugging your single-threaded uh, worker application. So the problem could arise with multiple workers. You have multiple, you have some, some more race conditions. But and one, we don't support that right now. And two, if we were to support that, I still don't think it would be that hard because um, the model is so constrained that it's a lot easier to wrap your head around than, say, C++, where, oh, I spawned n threads, and I have no idea what's going on, and I'm in GDB, and I'm trying to figure out which thread is doing what, and it's just a mess. So I think that having this no shared resources really makes it a lot easier. It really sounds good until the first set timeout will just shut out from current thread and goes to the worker and then jumps to the second worker, and it could became complete mess to follow how the program goes from one piece to another. But as for, as for now, it sounds really good for me how it could be done. So is that with multiple workers that you, that yeah. you found it hard to? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played around with multiple workers yet. But from from you, I have already heard several. It was really really fast, but you mentioned it several approaches and really patterns which are cr pretty close to message queues and working with concurrent lease and all that stuff. Maybe uh, in your in Angular two team and in general, you will came up with some approaches with some best practices and patterns, how to consume, produce, debug, and all that stuff, because uh, as far as I understood, like a system with all web workers and this multi-thread stuff is pretty new to JS developers. So basically, right now, if, he, if Angular 2 will provide all this information, it will just move development further, JavaScript in general. So what do you think? What is your plan for populating some patterns or some message queue patterns in Angular 2, some implementation over reactive JS extensions? What do you think? I think that what, what's kind of worked out really nicely is that the patterns that we've specified for writing a good Angular 2 app are the same as the patterns for running a good Angular 2 web worker application. Because we've always kind of specified this MVC separation of concerns and said you really shouldn't touch the DOM from your controller. And you know, you mentioned message queues. The only time that you have to concern yourself with messaging is if you want to do some custom DOM manipulation. Um, otherwise, Angular handles all of this. So the idea is that you just update your model, and then Angular decides when to synchronize down to the down to the browser. In terms of um, if you always if you always do that, then you're already following the best practices, and you're already not going to run into um, any concurrency issues because you're running within Angular on the worker, and Angular takes care of all the all the data synchronization. Uh, of course, for complicated for complex apps, that's not realistic, right? At some point, you need to touch the DOM. At some point, you can't do something just provided by the framework, and that's where render services come in, in my opinion. So I think that what you'll see if we um, actually build render services into the framework, which we have a proposal out for it, and I think it will get done, but there's a couple of bigger ticket items that need to get, be finished first, like um, uh, offline compilation and things like that. But I think that once that gets done, um, 
you'll start seeing more resources on, okay, well, how do I split up my application so that I have this render service and it's used by these directives and I tell Angular about it and things like that. Um, and you can already see an example of that in the Answers app, but it's just one render service used by one directive. So I think we'd want to come up with larger literature about that. Okay, so it sounds like it's a to-do item to create the best practices and patterns uh, documentation, right? Yeah, definitely. Right now we've been focused on you know getting performance benchmarks, making sure there are no bugs, things like that. But once we finish that and people are using it, then absolutely. And a lot of it is new, so you know we'll we'll be learning a lot too. Okay. Have you started to see any cool implementations of using web workers out in the wild? So I actually have been pretty like uh, inside of the Angular team, just watching what we've been doing. And so I've got some demos that we've made. Uh, but I haven't been in touch with a lot of community folks building things. So I would love to hear about anything that any of you have seen, uh, whether it's Angular or just web worker stuff in general. For the stuff that you guys have built, it's just the ones that you had mentioned for, like, the demo apps you're saying? Yeah, I mean, most of what we've been working on is, you know, the, uh, the Answers app, which has service workers and web workers and Angular Universal and Firebase and things like that. So we've been working on integrating everything, but not on uh, sort of, I think that, uh, Rob Wormwald had a really cool DBmon experiment with web workers, um, where actually what he did was, um, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with the DBmon experiments. Uh, no. Okay, so let me see if I can pull them up. I don't think the web worker one is published yet. So basically the idea, I can't, I can't find the exact link right now, but the basic idea is um, you have a very fast data, uh, very fast changing data set, and you update the DOM, and there's sort of all of these different. Um, frameworks have their kind of ideal implementation, and then you can sort of compare, like, well, what's the frame rate, frame rate in React versus the frame rate in Angular? How fast can you change the data and still have the DOM update at 60 frames per second? Things like that. And Rob was building one with web workers, and what we, we ran into this really interesting problem where when you first started with the web worker, the frame rate would shoot up to, like, 150 frames per second. And the reason for that is that we had separated... With web workers, we've separated the JavaScript execution from the page updating. So you're actually able to update the data faster than the browser can possibly redraw um, the page. So by sort of uncoupling these two things, we sort of set the JavaScript engine loose. And the JavaScript engine, as it turns out, is much, much faster than the rendering engine. It's not a big surprise, but we didn't see it coming. Uh, and it actually ends up with um, a weird performance graph where because you're sending so many messages, you actually end up with a backlog of messages that the UI can't process. So you end up being locked by the UI um, just because your JavaScript is executing so fast. Uh, that was a cool experiment. It, it showed us that what we sort of need to do with web workers, because they have the potential to run really fast, there's no sort of self-clocking. You know, we've always assumed this kind of self-clocking in JavaScript because the browser has to update. And if you're running in a web worker, that's not true. And you might end up doing things faster than you can ever possibly relay them to the user. So we were sort of looking at how can we um, actually slow down our JavaScript so that the application doesn't get ahead of what the user sees. I thought that was a pretty cool experiment that he ran. Uh, I saw Brad uh, present a benchmark at uh, Build, uh, the Microsoft conference. Um, and he was using web workers, and the F FPS was uh, 100 something with web workers and 40 or something like that without. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, actually, I think that was the demo I was talking about. I'm not sure if that's the same as the DBmon one. But yeah, that was. That was really cool, and we we actually are looking at how can we constrain that to 60 because the browser won't draw it faster than 60 anyways, and having it faster actually introduces new problems, which was kind of surprising. I just want to mention I forgot to mention at the top of the show that if you have questions for Jason, any questions about web workers, 
you can tweet with the hashtag NGAIR, N-G-A-I-R, and we'll answer it near the end of the show. So Jason, regarding the implementation that you've been talking about between Angular 2 and web workers, is there something within Angular 2 that makes uh, features with, of Angular 2 that makes it uh, particularly work well with web workers or it made that implementation easier? Uh, like, is there any advantage over either doing it from, with vanilla JavaScript or another framework? Absolutely. I think um, this could not have been, at least not nearly as cleanly and easily. I mean, I think it's kind of, it's kind of cool that I was able to come into the team. I had never used Angular 2 before. I came into the team in June of last year, and I had a prototype working by August. And so in just two months, um, I was able to sort of partition the framework and make this work. Uh, and I'm not trying to, like, say that was impressive because I don't think it was. I think it was the framework itself that made that really easy because the framework is already so modular that it wasn't that hard to say, okay, these parts can run on the DOM, these parts can't. Whereas with Angular 1, everything is much more intertwined. Um, and part of that is that it was written in JavaScript and not TypeScript, and that in and of itself kind of creates problems. But also, it just wasn't as well thought through from the beginning because it grew into a much bigger thing than I think anyone envisioned it to be. Angular 2, we had the benefit of sitting down and really designing it. And so the renderer was kind of always designed with this idea in mind that, you know, we had universal, so we always knew that we wanted to have this renderer split from application logic. And that split made it really easy to come in and implement web workers. So I think that's a huge reason why this couldn't have been done in Angular 1 uh, and was so much easier in Angular 2. And I think it's a real benefit that Angular 2 has over, over other frameworks is this renderer app logic split. In terms of over vanilla JavaScript, uh, definitely, because I think Angular... Um, provide such a structure for your application that it was easy for us to say, um, don't worry about updating the UI. You know, we already take care of that. We already take your model and update the UI for you. So it was easy for us to say, like, oh, we're going to update the UI, so actually you don't need to live on the UI thread anymore. We can take care of the messaging. Uh, if you were using vanilla JavaScript, you'd obviously have to do the messaging yourself, and it's sort of non-trivial and ends up, you know, basically you have to design an RPC mechanism. Well, I guess one other thing you didn't mention there is that the Angular 2 DI, it sounds like, helps with the um, the services that you would build that are um, tied to the DOM, right? Like, it, it helps to have the uh, Angular 2 DI for that situation, right? Yeah, definitely. Thanks. I, uh, I forgot about that. Um, we could not be abusing DI more inside of the web worker code base. Like, when you inject the render in a web worker, you get something totally different than when you inject the render... Uh, on the UI, but you don't notice that. And in fact, element refs, um, when you inject an element ref on the UI, you get, a, you get the actual element. When you inject an element ref on the worker, you just get a number. Um, but you never notice that because you can still pass that element ref to all of the internal, all of the Angular APIs, and it still works. So um, yeah, I think without DI, it also would have been much, much harder. Does it use uh, zones at all, by chance, within the integration? Everything uses zones. Um, oh, right. Zones are everywhere. So yeah. let me let me rephrase the question. So how does the integration of web workers use zones? Yeah. So zones are actually um, zones are key. Zones are one of the things that was actually somewhat challenging. We had to make sure we played nice with zones, um, which is sort of a general thing when working with Angular too. Is everything has to play nice with zones, and. Um, one of the things that we had to do was we had to say that, you know, when you get a message from the UI, we had to make sure that, you know, when an event fired, you re-enter the zone and things like that. And at Bootstrap, you're not in the zone. So we sort of took care of all of those things inside the framework to make zones, you know, sort of abstracted away from the end user of a web worker app. 
Um, but one of the cool things that zones actually allowed us to do that resulted in a huge performance gain is zones allow us to know when your application is done um, running some synchronous piece of logic, right? Like that, that's the whole point of zones is we can know, you know, you've exited the zone, all your microtasks are done, uh, so your model is stable. And what's really cool about that is we actually don't send any messages from the worker to the UI until that is true. And what that allows us to do is, you know, if you imagine on Bootstrap, um, lots of things are happening on Bootstrap. All of your components are starting up. They're all going to want to send messages down to the UI. I think last time I checked, even bootstrapping like a simple application can send like 1,800 messages um, just because you have all the things that you need to set up. And sending 1,800 independent messages through post message is really, really slow. Uh, but with zones, we can say, oh, let's just queue all of these up, and we'll send them all at the exact same time. And then the UI will process them all at the same time. And I think when I first implemented that, it brought the initial bootstrap time. There was like a three-fold improvement um, in bootstrap time. So that was really cool. And that zones made that a lot easier. That's really awesome. We're going to break for a moment for a message from Angular Class. This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking to learn the latest and greatest in modern web development techniques, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up today at angularclass.com. Welcome back. Let's pick it up where we left off. Yeah, actually, I'm preparing for my ng-conf talk now, talking about Angular Universal, and one of the points that I'm making there, which I've, I've come to realize, basically, that the secret sauce in Angular 2 and like all the various things that are part of Angular 2, including the things that we're talking about today, is kind of built on the back of DI and zones. Like those are the two like little libraries, like little isolated libraries that don't really necessarily have downstream dependencies, like they are their own things, but everything else is built on top of that. And I, I don't, it probably takes somebody a little bit of time before they start getting, like, like you did, Jason, to start building with Angular 2 core, or, or when you're building your application, you'll eventually, like, one day realize, like, holy crap, like, uh, this stuff is, like, amazing. Uh, so I, I, I look forward to, as people start to discover, you know, the work that you've done and, and just Angular 2 in general, uh, sort of coming to that realization. So, um, yeah, I think what, that's true. There, there's these, there are these two fantastic abstractions upon which, like, the rest of the framework is really built upon, um, which I think is really... I hadn't thought about it like that before, but that's a really, a really cool idea. So you, we've, been, we've been talking about Angular 2, and I, I know that's kind of in your wheelhouse. I don't know if you necessarily know about Angular 1 as much, but what's your understanding of how possible it is to implement web workers with your Angular 1 app? Is it basically this equivalent of like, okay, just as if you are, I mean, you're not going to have the level of support that you've been talking about, so it's the same as if you are doing it with vanilla JavaScript, I would imagine, but uh, do you have any kind of knowledge of that? Yeah, unfortunately. So I'm not, I don't know a lot about Angular 1, actually. Um, but basically, you're on your own. <laughs> um, like you were saying, you basically have to do vanilla JavaScript. We don't have any support in Angular 1 for it, and it's not, there's not going to be any support in Angular 1 for it. Um, but like I said, it would just be too hard. Like, the framework's just not designed with that in mind. I think I read a Stack Overflow post somewhere about somebody who had managed to, like, hack the digest cycle um, and, like, run it in a worker, and it just looked like a horrible idea. Like, just don't... I, w I wouldn't recommend doing that in production. Um, I would really just... Yeah, if you, if you have, like, a long-running task in your Angular 1 application, then, like, spawning a worker 
and handling the messaging yourself may actually be worth it and provide a lot of performance benefits, but uh, the framework's just not designed for that. So it's really not something that Angular 1 can provide the same support for. Yeah, I, actually, I did that um, a while ago. I had um, a really heavy calculation at bootstrap of my application, and um, I wrote a service for uh, web workers that was just running the, the computations in the web worker. Um, it really improved the responsiveness of the UI um, when the page was loading. So it's possible, but just for small, for uh, design tasks. So web workers on the server side. You mentioned earlier that there is a performance hit for the when it's bootstrapped because you know it takes a while to kind of um, build the constructs for web workers. So I and actually there was an issue in Angular Universal repo from someone who was trying this and actually discovered that that there was some these this performance issue and they were like, what the heck is this? Whatever. I just told them to listen to this episode, so hopefully they're listening. Um, so that makes sense, but have you heard of or, or seen other implementations or other reasons why you would be using web workers with Node.js on the server? Um, I don't think I quite understand the question. When you say web workers with Node.js, do you mean like a universal app with web workers on the client, or...? Well, you, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, use Angular Universal per se, like um, like pre-rendering. I'm just actually wondering, just in general, with Node, like uh, just running on the server with you know Chrome's uh, V8 engine, you can still use web workers technically, but uh, it sounds like a lot of the benefits come from more on the browser side. So I, I'm just curious if you've heard of or seen any examples of when people would want to use it within Node? Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I'm not sure that web workers are actually available in Node. Can anyone sort of confirm that? I feel like you can fork in Node, uh, and so you can have multiple processes, which is a similar model. Are there actual web workers? I, I might be wrong, but I thought I had seen that. Do you Have you guys seen Olivia or...? Yeah, I, I would use fork. Um, uh, let's say that you write an, an Electron app and you need to do some video processing or something, you would just fork the, um, the GS file uh, that does that, and it will, it will work in another thread. So I don't think that you need web workers for that. Uh, basically, let me give some uh, idea to this point. Uh, Node.js uses uh, threads. It's kind of native thing. What is we're just saying are forking, but uh, to achieve like universal app working on the back end to achieve some goals like process data, uh, there are pretty simple library which produces some additional global rail. Basically implements web workers API on Node.js. Uh, on top of threads, which are native to Node.js, and it's kind of pretty good because <laughs> front-end developers could produce this stuff and work with it on Node.js too. So yes, it's possible. What, what library was that you were referring to, Dimitri? Basically, it's called Web Workers Threads <laughs> on NPM. Oh. I have That's some links, so we can add it later because it produces basically like shell JS <laughs> and global mod. It does the same, it just pollutes the global scope with uh, the workers API for Node.js. Yeah, and actually, I, I, um, somebody mentioned Electron, which, which runs on Node, and I know Rob Wormald built an Angular Electron 
uh, implementation, which I'll also throw in the chat here. But if you just Google Angular-Electron, that will come up. And that uses all the same tools as WebWorkers because it's basically the same thing. Um, I don't think it, it doesn't use the WebWorker API. It uses the Electron API. But all the messaging infrastructure is the same. The way you bootstrap is essentially the same. So that was another thing we were really excited about. Once WebWorkers worked is that there's all these other possible things that you can do. There's Electron. There's React Native. There's sort of all these different custom render implementations that you might want to have that this one framework provides support for. Yeah. Um, do you know if it's possible to run uh, multiple render at the same time? Um, let's say that you want to run um, Electron and server-side rendering. Is, is it maybe something stupid that I don't know? Um, since uh, a lot of um, the cool stuff for Angular 2 are coming from uh, this kind of renderers, I'm well, wondering. The, I can maybe answer that because yeah. um, each of the renderers are based off of how you bootstrap your application in Angular 2. So you sort of can only use one per bootstrap time because when you're bootstrapping, you're defining that the renderer implementation is this or that. Like, it doesn't have the ability to do two things and split out, at least from what I've seen. I don't know if you've seen anything different, Jason. So I haven't seen this, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head of how you could hack that together. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to recommend that anyone does this in, like, a real app, but... I actually think that you could do it. Um, so like you were talking about, Jeff, you can only provide one renderer to your application uh, when it's running, so your actual application thread. But if you provide the message-based renderer um, that we've written for WebWorkers, you could theoretically change that renderer to connect to multiple things. So it could connect to Electron, it could connect to a browser, um, and then it could pass all the same render messages to all of them. And this is sort of what we did for the, um, the to-do demo that ran on multiple browsers. So as long as all the renderers, uh, because they all share the same API, you could do it. It's it's going to get a little hacky, um, and if two renderers send you back conflicting results, you're going to have to somehow decide what to do with that. So it's not going to be easy, but I guess it, it is theoretically possible within the framework. Okay, I was just thinking about it. I don't think you really need, need it. But. We're going to take a quick break to hear about ThoughtRam. ThoughtRam. Extend your memory. Want to get up and running with the Angular framework, but don't have the time to read through all the documentation and tutorials on the internet? ThoughtRam's Angular Masterclass may be perfect for you. Check it out today at thoughtram.io forward slash training. Welcome back. Let's pick it up where we left off. So unless uh, someone has another question on the web workers, I, I was going to ask something uh, not related to web workers, so... May I yeah. then? Just a simple question. Yeah, good. Uh, if Jeff is, would not mind. Because uh, uh, Angular 1 was uh, saying that we are b building a framework for testing. What about testing of web workers with Angular 2? Unit tests, end-to-end -end tests, how about it? I'm sorry, so Angular 2 is about... Unit sorry, what was the, the last part of your question? <laughs> Angular 1 was about uh, testing. It was saying, like, big topic is framework built for testing. What about testing web workers with Angular 2? So I, it's not really any different. Um, you can still write your component tests. I think something that's cool that we can do, although I haven't really seen anyone play around with this, but this is sort of one of the ideas that I, I'd like to see someone play around with, 
because your web worker component code doesn't need to run in the browser, um, you could theoretically run all your unit tests without Karma. So you can run all your unit tests just directly from Node and sort of eliminate this flakiness caused by Karma um, because you don't depend on any browser APIs. So I think that's pretty cool, but uh, I haven't actually seen someone build like a really nice testing like framework for that, which I'd like to see. But other than that, it's pretty it's pretty similar. Protractor tests uh, of web workers and multiple browsers uh, should be some kind of blow up, but it's kind of it's concurrency testing, and it should take a place because only there you can find some race conditions and some downsides of. I suppose it should be a big topic. That's true. So. Uh, Writing, writing end-to-end tests for web workers is, is harder. Writing unit tests is about the same, but end-to-end tests is harder because uh, there's not as good support in Protractor right now. Um, and I haven't really talked to the Protractor folks about uh, what could be done about that. But the basic problem is that a lot of what Protractor depends on is this idea that you click a button, and then when you know, your event finishes firing and is handled, you can check if the page has changed. Uh, but with web workers, that's no longer true because you pass a message to a background thread, and the background thread returns at some indeterminate time later. So you actually have to do a lot more, like waiting for things to change, and be more explicit in your test. So that's definitely um, that's definitely a weak spot, I would say, with web worker testing right now. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. The zone is the answer, I think. Uh, you should probably use zone to know when it's done. I guess that that's what Projecta will be doing for Angular too. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> That's a good question to ask. Um, so my unrelated question was, um, how was it as a junior to work for the Angular team? Um, and what do you think it will do for your career? And what will you do after, <laughs> now that you left the, Angular, the Google team? What, what are your plans? Uh, I work on the team was great. It's a great team. Everybody's really nice and really, really smart. And just also, like, a very diverse set of smart. Like, there are people on the team with um, PhDs, and everyone on the team uh, who didn't finish college. And you get this huge perspective on, on CS and, and, and just on life, and it's a really cool, really cool group of people. Uh, and working on the team is great, and it's at Google. And I actually, I ended up on the team uh, because I applied to Google, and then it got sort of picked by the Angular team. It wasn't the other way around. It's not like I applied to Angular. Uh, but I'm really happy I ended up on the Angular team. And also, just working on open source is great. Like, if I ever had the choice again in my life to like to between open source and closed source, I would probably always choose open source because it's just such a better experience and you get to share what you're working on and things like that. Um, but uh, this summer, I'm um, actually working on closed source because that's kind of the way the world works, I guess. Um, but this summer, I'm doing something uh, pretty different than Angular. I'm working at a, uh, a startup here in Palo Alto that's working on data center technology. So what they're doing is they're trying to write a, a whole... Uh, custom stack for sort of high volume, low latency data centers. So data centers that need to process a lot of data very quickly. And the question is just how fast can we make that? So there's been a lot of hardware advancements, uh, actually a lot of um, advancements in uh, multiple cores. And uh, there's been a lot of hardware advancements in data centers that sort of haven't been taken advantage of because of legacy software. So for example, running TCP inside of a data center can be very slow. Running your... uh, Accessing main memory may not be necessary if you can write directly to a cache, things like that. So um, I'm working on a company that's trying to write a full set of so- a full stack uh, software solution for things like that, which is obviously very different than Angular. But I think that a lot of the lessons will still apply. It's still a lot of like 
um, system design, things like that. So definitely helped to work with the Angular team. Well, I'm sure that you will be successful there. Uh, you've done a great job on web workers with Angular 2. Uh, I was awesome talking with you today. I'm like super excited about this. And actually, one last thing with um, the implementation. I, I know you said it's still a prototype phase, but is it something that like I can actually, if I if I'm pulling the latest beta, can I be using this now, or is it not even available yet until you guys work some stuff out? No, you can use it. So actually only, I guess, I mean, it's all sort of beta. It's all beta, but only the render services is still a prototype. So you can't use render services yet. That's not actually in Angular, although you're welcome to, like, look at my pull request and answers app and, and copy it. But, again, I wouldn't really recommend using it in a, in a real app. But everything else, so the whole web worker framework, um, all, all of the web worker code is part of the beta. So if you just npm install Angular 2 beta, um, you can just start importing directly from the, uh, the web worker platform and, and run with that. And there's examples on the Angular 2 GitHub about how to do that, and hopefully there will soon be examples on Angular.io as well. Cool. Well, just make sure that you create some sort of Angular 2 app at this data center startup, and then you can come back on the show next year, right? Yeah, that'd hear. be great. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to tips and picks. Uh, actually, before we get to that, just a couple of notes for our upcoming shows. Next week, we were talking about web workers this week. Next week, we're talking about service workers. Different thing, not the same thing. Um, and we're going to be talking with Gleb Bamatov and Minko Gitchiv. And then the week after that, it, we get into our ng-conf uh, triple play of episodes, starting with the ng-conf prep show on the 26th with Joe Eames and Aaron Frost, and potentially Dave Geddes if we can convince him to, to join us. So that should be pretty awesome. Looking forward to that. So let's get to the picks, starting with Olivier. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure that another some other people wanted to talk about it, but <laughs> uh, Pascal um, released this week the first, uh, first episode of Five Things Angular, if you can call this an episode. Uh, more like an article. Uh, it's um, every week uh, it will pick five things that you might not know about Angular 2 and how it's moving, uh, stuff like uh, how are issues progressing and things that you have to read uh, in the GitHub repo if you want to know that. Um, so is is basically sharing his knowledge with us uh, each week, and um, it's really interesting. Um, and my other pick was uh, that uh, Chris released the first version of UI Router for Angular 2. Uh, I've tried it. Uh, there are still some quirks, but we need people to test it, um, and it's working. Um, I don't know if I can say, but uh, I really like it better than <laughs> the component router. So uh, you should definitely check it out if you don't like the component router as well. Cool. Thanks, Olivier. Dimitri. So for this week, uh, as far as you know, working with designs and Photoshop it could be complicated if you don't have one. So uh, Avacode is a pretty good tool to use when you need to share a design with your front-enders. I will share a link. And the second part that I cannot get out of my hand is not GS approach to growing community. It's a pretty good post about um, explaining the differences 
between open source maintainers who are tired from all this issue all the time and how Node.js differently looks on this problem and finds a way how to involve more contributors, committers, and all that stuff. It's pretty motivating to review your attitude to whatever happens. And the third stuff, it's everybody uses it as GitHub, but I should say that in the last two months, this is just huge improvements for <laughs> uh, repos, stuff like question commits, likes and whatever what was waited for several years appeared in the last several months and it's just awesome progress. So this is my picks. Yeah, I love that I can add a smiley face to basically anything. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it makes you wonder what they were working on for all those yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it took somebody, I forgot who I, who was that posted that article really questioning GitHub and not really servicing the open source community and all that type of stuff. So, but it looks like they have been implementing a lot of the stuff that people have been asking for. So that's good. Okay, for my picks, I just have two things. One is ngconf. Uh, you know, Patrick and I have been working on our talk. We gave our first uh, run through yesterday to a local company here in Boston, and. Uh, I went well. We're really getting psyched up. Definitely, if you're coming to ngconf, uh, hopefully looking forward to that. If you're if you're not, you can catch it on the live stream, and I'll have links up for that as it gets closer. And of course, we're going to be talking about it in two weeks with Joe and Aaron. So definitely tune in for that. The other link I have is as I was, as I'm preparing, I, I've been watching a lot of other good talks and and to kind of inspirational and that type of thing and TED Talks are great like there's a lot of really good TED Talks out there but one of my favorite is this one from Tony Robbins who's always been a motivational speaker called uh, Why We Do What We Do and my favorite part of it is that the, in TED Talks it's it's this thing that you you have a very strict I think it's like 14 minutes or 12 minutes something like that and it's extremely strict. Like they've cut people off all the time. Like you, you definitely do not have one second over it. But Tony is is I think the only one. I may be wrong there, but I think he's the only one who actually went over uh, successfully because he was just told such a great story, and the whole talk was like so good. And he left it on this like cliffhanger with like two seconds left in his time allotment, and he just said, "All right, I'm out of time," and he started to walk off the stage, and everybody like freaked out and forced him, the, the organizer of TED, talk, TED Talks, or forced him to come back on and finish his talk. So that was like a pretty amazing uh, thing. Definitely check that out. I'll, I'll post that link. Jason, what are your picks and or tips? Um, all right, so off the top of my head, I'm just going to go with something that uh, a lot of people have probably heard about, but probably not enough people, which is just Rust. Everyone should go look at Rust. I think it's like the coolest language. Um, out there, I'm very excited for it to, I think there's eventually going to be a WebAssembly version of it, which I think will be really cool for, for web people, but also just for like server-side um, and back-end development. I think that just everything that they're doing makes a lot of sense. Um, so people should go should go learn it and have some interesting ideas. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great week, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Bye.